0: Just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers, it's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion, yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're headed into a weekend. Hopefully things are going to simmer down just a little bit. Probably not. We've got a war raging in Ukraine. We've got dumb fuckery raging on here in the United States. Seems like every which way you turn, there's something going on that's either tragic, traumatic, or just fucking stupid. And uh, that's the whole reason for the Rational Boomer podcast. We bring that information to you. Try to break it down in understandable and reasonable terms. And, you know, that's what we do pretty much every day. Now, I've told you before that if you have a question, comment, or complaint, feel free to reach out to me. You can do that at rationalboomer at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm. Look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voicemail. Now, yesterday, I had a bunch of emails and one voicemail. Today, we have one email, but it's a good question. Now, this person doesn't want me to reveal their name. I don't know if they're running from the cops, collections, what have you. I'm, no judgments here. <laughs> I'm kidding. Some people just don't want their name read in public. I get it. I said I would not give out anybody's name that didn't want it out, and I will respect that on this particular email. But the question is as follows. I listen every day. I keep wondering about Matt Gates. What's his current status? Well, I hear that question a lot. And I know there's a lot of people getting anxious and a little frustrated that he hasn't been indicted, cuffed, and put in jail as yet. I mean, this guy is the worst of the worst. He's a slimy piece of shit. He's a pedophile. He's a loud-mouthed jerk. And everybody's anxious to see him get his due. And people are wondering, if we have all this evidence, why isn't he arrested as yet? And that's a reasonable question. And I'll tell you what I know. I have no inside track. Matt doesn't take my calls. I don't know any of the investigators. I only know what I read from multiple sources, and I try to put it together and figure things out. Now, the best I can tell you with this Matt Gates thing is, first of all, this guy's been caught cold there's all kinds of evidence he's not going to get away with this but i know you want it to hurry up and get it done so here's what they're waiting for we know that joel greenberg his big buddy his partner in crime his pedophile in tandem if you will was arrested and convicted and he's waiting to be sentenced and he was going to be sentenced uh, probably three four months ago and uh what he's doing is trying to drop his sentence some before he actually gets sentenced to uh, save himself some time. Now, this dude's going to do a lot of time. He's been convicted of multiple crimes. He is a fucking dirtball. There is no question about it. So he's trying to get it down as far as he can. And the way he's doing that is he's offering up information about other people involved in some of the shit he's been involved in. One of the main characters is Matt Gates. These guys were bros, buddies. They hung out with and slept with the same underage women. So what Joel Greenberg said as they came up to the point where he was going to be sentenced, he said, wait, 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 wait. I got some more information about Matt Gates and whoever else was involved. But I need some more time. He was trying to delay his sentencing. And for whatever reason, the judge said, okay, cool. The prosecutor said, okay, cool. So they're gathering more information from Joel Greenberg, but uh, his time should be up here pretty quick. And once he's sentenced, that should mean there'll be some action on Matt Gates at that point. So hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll see some action with regards to that. But there's another person offering some evidence, and that is Matt Gates's ex-girlfriend. She has some insights, she's been arrested, and she's got a sentence upcoming. And she wants to bring that down a little bit, so she's more than happy to turn evidence on Matt Gates. So they're in the process of gathering that. So what I can tell you is the reason he's not arrested now and not in jail now is because they're still gathering the evidence, but they've been doing this for some time, so hopefully... This is going to change here shortly, and Matt Gates will be uh, held accountable for his crimes. Joel Greenberg has delayed his sentencing twice and given up all kinds of information. Uh, we should be on the late stages of his ex-girlfriend giving evidence. And when those things are both done, then we'll probably see some action on Matt Gates. So never fear. Some action and probably an indictment will be coming with Matt Gates sometime soon. I know you're anxious. I know you think it's never going to happen, but it's going to happen. Trust me. Nobody has ever had so much evidence to prove he's guilty than Matt Gates. He's got his best buddies turning over evidence, hand over fist. Matt Gates is done. The only thing is, there may be more to this court case other than the sleeping with underage girls and transporting them over state lines. There may be more to this. And one of the other things to think about, every time I hear them talk about this, they talk about politicians in Florida. They always say it in plural terms. Matt Gaetz's name is out there, out front, of course. But they're talking about other politicians maybe involved in these things. And that wouldn't be surprising, given they're all together down there. And that could mean, you know, fucking anybody. It could be Ron DeSantis, some of the state senators, Marco Rubio, for that matter. Who the fuck knows. So we want to make sure they catch all of them, and we want to make sure that Matt Gates gets nailed and stays nailed. And if it takes a while to get him, that's fine. Matt Gates is a young guy. He's got a lot of time to spend in jail. So let's make sure we nail him properly, get all the evidence we can and get that some bitch done. So, unnamed emailer. Hopefully that answers your question. It doesn't give you any actual time timeline, but uh, that's what I know. That's what I know so far. All right, the Senate passed a roughly 1.5 trillion dollar spending package to avert a shutdown, this is an agreement they've been working on for months. In fact, they had to extend it twice. Remember, uh, we had the possible shutdown, and then they signed this short extension, and then it was going to shut down again, and then they signed another extension. Well, they finally came to terms with this situation, got the deal signed. Now we don't have to worry about a uh, system shutdown. In the United States. That's good to know. Here's something else that's interesting about this bill that was passed. Now, understand this was a bipartisan bill. We had Democrats and Republicans voting for it. But in this package, they've also allotted a $14 billion amount of money for Ukrainian aid. It will cover humanitarian, military, and economic assistance. As I said, interestingly enough, this is bipartisan. We had Republicans and Democrats alike voting for it. It's kind of interesting as you think about it. As bad as this war is, this may bring Democrats and Republicans a little closer together, at least on some things. They were closer on this particular deal. Nothing brings people together like a common enemy. They also have bipartisan agreement on uh, banning oil imports from russia you know what's interesting about that republicans had been pushing uh toward banning oil imports from russia now the fact of the matter is compared to some of the other people like in europe and such we don't get that much oil from russia it's a small percentage compared to everybody else But it is still taking money out of their pockets, and uh, it is something that needs to be done. And, of course, Democrats and Republicans alike agreed on it. But the funny thing is, Republicans are who they are. And in spite of the fact that it was a bipartisan vote, now Republicans are out there running around saying, yeah, Joe Biden's raising the the price of gas. (laughs) It's kind of like... them hyping up the, uh, the uh, infrastructure bill or the COVID relief bill when none of them voted for it. Now they voted for this one, and they're trying to say, that damn Joe Biden, he's radi- raising gas prices. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of people upset about gas prices, and I get it. It's expensive. I don't like paying for expensive gas any more than anybody else. But when we look at what's at stake in Ukraine, I mean, I got to tell you, I watch the videos and I see these little kids about the age of my granddaughter going through all this, and it upsets me to no end. How could any animal put innocent people, innocent children through this stuff, killing these people, uh, making them homeless, making them leave their country? or making them stay in their homes and have to suffer through the shelling and the fighting and the guns. It's hard to get water and food now. These people are going to become desperate soon. This whole situation is absolutely ridiculous. And if we have to suffer through some high gas prices, well, so be it. That is a small price to pay. Where It's interesting that we will bitch about high gas prices when people's very lives are at stake. Their homes are being taken away and bombed. They're starving. They're thirsty. They have no electricity and no heat. And we're bitching about gas prices. Well, shut the fuck up. Who cares if the gas prices are high? They will go back down again. Joe Biden's trying to find some other options to get gas to bring it down. They're talking about a uh, tax holiday, which is what they should do. I don't know if you understand how much state and federal tax is on a gallon of gas. It's a lot of fucking money. And if you took that off for any period of time, prices would drop considerably. And I hope that they continue forward with that idea of the tax holiday while all this is going on. I mean, the price of fuel in this country is, uh, is important because there's a lot of transportation issues uh, that help to run this country, trucking other kinds of transportation, buses, cars, what have you. And if it becomes more expensive to run them, then the prices to use them is going to become more expensive. And whether you drive a car or not, the expenses are going to hit your pocketbook. But again, compared to what's going on in Ukraine and what could go on in any part of the world in situations like this, high gas prices or a small price to pay and if you're bitching about it, you have no fucking clue as to what's going on elsewhere in this world. Alright, now that said, there are still some Republicans that still love Vladimir Putin. And they love the fact that there is an invasion. They think it's a wonderful thing. Donald Trump said as much. They are supporting the Russians. Now, as you watch people like Mitch McConnell and some of these other folks, they're starting to shit their pants. They're trying to separate themselves from those people. The last thing they want people to consider is that all Republicans support Vladimir Putin and the invasion. And uh, they are running around like chickens with their heads cut off to get themselves detached from that. And as I've said before, what we should do, what Republicans would do, should they be in the similar situation, is do everything we can to attach these Russians and Vladimir Putin to the Republicans, every goddamn one of them. People in the Republican Party initially did support Putin, did support the um, invasion, did support Donald Trump and some of the things he said about it. Now that it's becoming problematic, now that it's becoming a, a massacre there for a lot of innocent people, now they're saying, ah, that's not going to look so good for me. Yet there are still some stupid people in the Republican Party that persist talking about this shit. One such person is Congressman Madison Cawthorn. He said in a speech that President Zelensky is a thug and Ukraine is evil with all their woke ideology. Now, I don't know what he means by that. I mean, Vladimir, po- uh, Vladimir Putin told us they were all fucking Nazis. <laughs> and now Madison Cawthorn, who is a racist and anti-Semite in his own right, is now telling us they're too woke. Which which the fuck is it? I mean, you've got two opposite ends of the spectrum. you got to keep your story straight if we're expected to even take it seriously, which we don't anyway, but if you wanted a chance to have it taken seriously, then, uh, <laughs> then you had to straighten that shit out. Well, of course, he got some backlash, especially from Republicans, and as I said before, Republicans are nervous about that. Just as they're trying to back away from this connection with Russia and Vladimir Putin, here comes dip-fuck Madison Cawthorn saying what he said. Zelensky's a thug. Ukraine's evil. They're a bunch of woke ideologists. Yeah, the the Republicans are not happy about that. They're trying to separate themselves from him. Now, here's something you maybe didn't know about Madison Cawthorn. He is a congressman. He is a representative from North Carolina. He is up for election in November. Remember, representatives in the House only have a two-year term, so he's up for re-election in November 2022. Now, the way he got into office, the way he got that seat is interesting. He ran and was elected to that seat in the House of Representatives, and that was the seat that was uh, vacated by Mark Meadows, who went on to be the chief of staff for Donald Trump. Mark Meadows and Madison Cawthorn. Oh, there's a couple peas in a pod. Seems kind of fitting when you look at it right now, doesn't it? Well, Madison Cawthorn is having a bad week because of what he said and all the Republicans kicking back on him. His plans to run for re-election might be in, uh, in jeopardy because of the way he acts. But there were other things during the week that caused Madison Cawthorn a problem. A problem that may even put him in jail. Now, not for what you think, but hear me out. Young Matty had a bad week, as I said. he, He was also arrested for driving with a revoked driver's license for the second time. And that's where the possible jail term comes in. If you get busted driving on a revoked license, that's one thing. But if you do it twice you got some problems. They take that seriously. They may put you in jail. I'm not talking about a long-term sentence. I'm not talking about hard time, but I'm talking jail. Can you imagine that? A congressman from the United States of America being put in jail because he doesn't know how to fucking drive a car. And clearly he doesn't know how to drive a fucking car because he has multiple traffic offenses. That's why his driver's license was revoked. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when he does run for reelection in November. Everything he's done has made him look bad, real bad. And he's going to have a problem when election time comes up, especially if his opponents start bringing up all these issues, his tie to an insurrection. And, and the fact is, we still don't know if he's even going to be able to run for reelection. There's some real thought that he was tied to the insurrectionist. And if we find out that he was, he might very well be expelled from the House of Representatives. And uh, if that were to happen, then he would not be allowed to run for re-election again. I know his own state is trying to work that out. Some people have said that's a go, and some people say it's not. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The federal government will shut him down if he had any part of the insurrection. And I would suspect we'll hear about that sometime between now and November. All right, for more than a week, we've been hearing about this 40-mile-long convoy headed to Kiev in Ukraine. Now, at first, it looked pretty ominous. And then we heard that it stalled and didn't appear to move for several days. We know that they're running out of fuel, food, water, and ammunition, and they're doing that because when Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine, his military people said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of this in 72 hours, three days. Shouldn't be a problem. Some people even said they could do it in two hours because they thought everybody would back down, run away. They'd just come in, swoop everything up, and take over. Well, it turns out that didn't happen that way. But right now, we're seeing that convoy that was also ominous from a satellite images, and it's showing that the convoy has essentially dispersed. The images show that some elements of the convoy have repositioned in forest on tree-lined areas. So clearly, there's been a change in strategy or just doing something completely out of, you know, fear. Fear. You got these guys sitting in a convoy that's 40 miles long. That's a fucking sitting duck. And now when we've been hearing about all these potential planes coming into Ukraine that they're going to be able to use, well, you get a few planes, you can take out a 40-mile convoy pretty quickly. They're like fucking sitting ducks. It was a dumb military move in the first place. They're lucky they didn't get decimated. But they probably are thinking better of it now, and that's why they're spreading everything out. They're still encircling Kyiv. They're still looking at trying to take over Kyiv, but we're two weeks into this thing, and they still haven't accomplished it. They haven't accomplished the thing that they thought they would get accomplished in three days. So this is leaving a lot of egg on the face of Vladimir Putin. He's not happy about it. He's definitely not fucking happy about it. So it's going to be interesting to see what Vladimir Putin does. Now, we're hearing that there are a lot of people in Russia that aren't liking this situation. They're feeling nervous about this situation. And as I've said before, the only way to get this done is to get Vladimir Putin out. He's not going to back off. He's still going to double down and keep pushing through. It'll cause more damage, more destruction, and more death of innocent people. So the only way to get him out or get this done is to get him out. Now, America can't do that. Ukraine can't do that because he's well protected. What's going to have to happen is somebody within the Russian government or military takes him out one way or another. And the reason they'll do that is because Russia is suffering mightily economically, and all the things that have been levied against them are pretty much destroying the country. And as far as I'm concerned, none of those sanctions should be lifted until Vladimir Putin is gone. Him just pulling out of Ukraine isn't enough because he will do it again. They've got to insist that Vladimir Putin find another fucking job. Moving on, Mike Flynn, former national security advisor under Donald Trump, testified in front of the January 6th committee. But you probably aren't surprised to hear that he pled the fifth over and over again. He blamed it on ongoing investigations. Now, you remember Mike Flynn has already been convicted of crimes and then he was pardoned by Donald Trump. We know that he had some close ties to the insurrectionists. He also has a brother that worked in the Pentagon and was responsible for holding back the National Guard. You remember... We had the insurrection going on. Uh, We had people begging for the National Guard. We had the uh, governor of Maryland begging for the National Guard. They sat there for three hours. There was a uh, document put out prior to January 6th from the White House stipulating the things that the National Guard can't do. They were taking power and leverage away from the National Guard, and then they made them sit for three hours. By the time the National Guard got there, uh, it was pretty much over. They were just doing some mopping up and clearing people out and getting things straight. And his brother is a general inside the Pentagon, is a close contact, as well as Mike, with Donald Trump, and we know Donald Trump was sitting on his ass watching it on TV, ignoring all the pleas from his own administration to other government officials to do something about it, and he refused. And in turn, he made sure the National Guard didn't get there in time to do anything. So, Mike Flynn steps up, he testifies in front of the January 6th committee, and pleads the 5th. Now there's a lot of people out here in podcast land or in tick talk land who think that pleading the fifth is a get out of free a get out of jail free card. It's not. Fact of the matter is they probably have all kinds of evidence on Michael Flynn already. With all the information they gathered, some 700 um, people testified. We have boxes and boxes of evidence, even the boxes that we had to drag back from Donald Trump in Mar-a-Lago. They probably got all they need on Mike Flynn, but they wanted to get some information from him. They may have even considered that he would probably just plead the fifth. Mike Flynn isn't getting out of anything, and he has nobody left to pardon him. When he gets convicted this time, he will spend a long time in jail. This guy is an absolute horrific fool. He is a danger to this country, and he was our national security advisor. Obama told Trump, you should probably get rid of Mike Flynn. I don't trust him. So what does Donald Trump do? He keeps Mike Flynn, makes him national security advisor. Maybe because he knew he could control Mike Flynn, and he could use and manipulate Mike Flynn. Let's face it, that's all Donald Trump does is fucking manipulate people, and people are stupid enough because they think he's got money or power, and they will do anything he wants. Now, a lot of those people are being investigated, some of them are being indicted, and some of them are going to prison. Before it's all said and done, there will be a lot of people going to prison, people of note, people with names you've heard before. And Mike Flynn is probably going to be one of those fucking people. Roger Stone may be one of those people. Remember, Roger Stone was saying, well, I wasn't even there on January 6th. Funny, they have video now. Not only was he around there on January 6th, he was hanging around with the Oath Keeper who just pled guilty to a seditious conspiracy. Well, that's troubling for Roger Stone. That's all on videotape. It's hard to lie about it, If we've got videotape of you fucking being there and talking to the Oath Keepers and to other people trying to sell your services as a pardon advocate, which is a fancy term for being a fucking crook. That's what it is. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We know that Donald Trump is a blithering idiot, and he continues to prove it every day. I mean, this guy is really stupid. I had no idea when he was elected. I thought he had some semblance of intelligence, but he really doesn't. Just listen to him talk. He talks like a sixth grader. He has trouble putting together sentences. He has trouble staying on topic. He's just not a very bright man. Now, he claims to be a genius. And, of course, all the other people that follow Donald Trump, who are the furthest from geniuses, think he's a genius. I mean, what's that old video we saw? That's Donald Trey, Donald J. Trump. That's what the J stands for, genius. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. I thought that was set up. No, it was a fucking fact. This idiot doesn't even know the fact that genius starts with a G. These are the kind of people we're dealing, dealing with when it comes to dealing with Donald Trump and his followers. Well, now, apparently... Donald Trump is making, uh, or on a little junket, is as it were, to podcasts, various podcasts, some obscure, some bigger podcasts. But uh, the reason he's doing this is because his social media app, Truth Social, well, that's not going as well as he'd hoped. He thought that was a giant killer. It was going to beat Twitter. It was going to do all this stuff. But Turns out it's a joke. He told us that a bunch of people invested a billion dollars into it. Well, for their sake, I hope that's not true because they're going to lose all their money. Nothing is going on with the app, and it's pretty lame to say the least. So he's got to get the word out somewhere, somehow, and he's doing that by guesting on podcasts. (laughs) I'd love to have him on this podcast. He wouldn't like it by the time we got done because I'm not going to play into his fucking little ploys where he talks longer, louder, and uh, distracts and diverts. He wouldn't get to do that here. I've seen good interviewers with Donald Trump and he gets all flustered and he's uh, mixed up and he looks stupid. Now, but for the most part, when you see somebody in the media interviewing him, they throw him softballs, they let him say stupid shit, and they don't question him on it. That's when I lose a lot of respect for the media, whether it be on the right side or the left side. The media was too easy on Donald Trump. He was too good of TV, and they didn't want to kill the golden goose, so they let him ride. They let him look stupid. They let him get away with stuff. And that's one of the reasons why we can't trust the fucking media. They're not there to give you the news. They're there to get clicks, get you to watch, for them to make more money. And that in no way is a description of journalism. As I've said before, we don't have journalism anymore. It's all about opinion and, uh, and uh, scandal and gossip and uh, those sorts of things. And that, frankly, isn't fucking journalism. It would be nice to have an outlet that does employ some journalism. There are some that are pretty good, Reuters, BBC, AP. Those are pretty straightforward, but those aren't necessarily the most popular ones in this country. People are watching Fox or Newsmax or MSNBC or CNN. Now, I will admit, I watch CNN and I watch MSNBC among many other places. And I don't do that to get all the facts because they aren't going to give me all the facts. I get it to, I watch it to get the news stories. And once I have a basic news story, then I investigate it a lot deeper on the internet with some of these other better news sources. And that's where I get the information. But if you just sit and watch MSNBC and CNN, you're not going to get all the facts. They're just going to do whatever they can to upset you or excite you and uh, hopefully keep you as a viewer. Now, one of the podcasters that Donald Trump talked to asked what he thought was next in Ukraine. I mean, what's coming up? How's this going to end? What's going to happen? Trump looked like a deer in the headlights. He said, Well, I've been saying this for a long time, long, long time, like the 1800s or something. No, he didn't say that, but that's what it sounds like. It's fucking ridiculous. I've been talking about this for a long time. And then he looks and he says, the problem is this green energy stuff. You know, these windmills, they cause cancer, they kill birds, they're really expensive. I've been talking about this for years. I mean, what the fuck? What does that have to do with anything? But that's what he does. He doesn't have a clue about what they're talking about. So then he just goes to distracting and diverting and trying to go to something where he's got some words memorized that he can put in a reasonable order and make it sound like what he's talking about. Now, this guy doesn't even realize he looks like an idiot when he does this. He doesn't answer the question. Now, there are a lot of politicians out there that are very good at slipping questions. You hardly even know they're doing it. But Donald Trump is so unsophisticated that he has to pivot blatantly right in front of your face so you can see how stupid he is. And that's what the story is. He's talking about Ukraine, the podcaster. And now he starts talking about green energy, how that's the worst thing in the world. Because God knows climate change is a fucking hoax, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, You know... It's like we had a 7th grader in office, or a 5th grader, or a 3rd I don't know what the fuck he was. But it's almost embarrassing that we as a country, a serious country, voted an absolute idiot like that into office. And then we have to sit and listen to these other people that follow Donald Trump that are even bigger idiots. They're gullible, they're stupid. And uh, it's very frustrating. Let's face it, Donald Trump was an asset to Russia in terms of setting up this whole process. Now, Vladimir Putin didn't think about going into Ukraine a day or two before he did it. This has been something he's been working on. And Donald Trump was his useful idiot. People will say, do you think he intentionally was an asset? No, I don't, because I don't think he's smart enough, and I know Vladimir Putin knows he's not smart enough. But Vladimir Putin knew how to manipulate this fuck. All you had to do was be nice to him and flatter him, and he'd give you anything you wanted. It's surprising, it's not surprising, that uh, you know Donald Trump tried to vilify Ukraine, that he tried to coerce and uh, blackmail the president to find dirt, on Joe Biden, it's not surprising that he held back military aid. All this time he was weakening Ukraine and trying to give the perception of Ukraine as a bad place. This is all the work that Vladimir Putin needed to have a reason to invade Ukraine. Now, if he had the best of all worlds, Donald Trump would have been the president in 2020. And let's be honest, Russia did all they could to meddle in 2020 and try to cheat for Donald Trump, just as they did in 2016. It worked in 16, but in 20, they fucked up. Donald Trump lost by 7 million votes. And people will go back and forth and say, do you really believe Joe Biden got 81 million votes? Well, I don't think Joe Biden was necessarily the greatest presidential choice to run for the office in the history I don't know that he there wasn't a better choice than that, but that's who we got. But very few people voted for Joe Biden as much as they did vote against Donald Trump. Donald Trump scared the fuck out of them. They saw what happened the first four years, and they didn't want that to happen at all. So they would have voted against him with anybody almost. Now, Joe Biden is a respectable president. He's doing a good job, given the circumstances he's he's been presented with. I love how I watch the Republicans say, oh, Joe's doing a bad job. No, Joe's not doing a bad job. Joe's actually doing a pretty good job, especially with the mess he was left with. Our economy is going very well. Our GDP is up. Our job market is incredible. He created 7.4 million jobs in just over a year as president. Donald Trump lost 2.9 trillion jobs. So who did a better job? Donald Trump lost 2.9 million jobs in four years. Joe Biden creates 7.4 million jobs in just over a year. It's not hard to see who... Who's doing better here? It certainly isn't Donald Trump, but I will still get these trump saying, it was the best unemployment ever. No, it wasn't. It was the best economy ever. No, it wasn't. The economy, the stock market, let's talk about the stock market. It's gone way higher than Donald Trump ever had it, and it's had more gains than Donald Trump ever had in the whole four years. Now, I've always said presidents really don't deserve a lot of credit for the stock market, nor should they suffer through the uh, uh, the uh, complaints about a bad stock market. They only have so much uh, impact on something like that, and the same can be said for gas prices. Initially, the gas prices went up because of the supply chain problem, and that was caused by the pandemic. Who we all know caused, who we all know that caused it was Donald Trump. Now, he didn't cause the virus and that sort of thing, but he chose to do nothing about it. And that's what caused it to get as big and as deadly as it was. So it shut everything down, fucked up the supply chain. People were out of jobs. And then when things started to get back to normal, it takes a while for the supply chain to pick up speed and get back on track and that's when you have the uh, supply and demand issue. You have more demand than you do supplies, and that's when the prices go up. Well, that was starting to level off a little bit. We still had a ways to go, and it was going slower than we expected. But now we have this war in Ukraine with Russia, and that changed the whole perspective. You see, a lot of Republicans think that the way gas prices were kind of creeping up before the war And now that they're going up after the war, that it's all because of the same reason. We have raises in gasoline prices for two reasons. We have the supply chain, which should be getting better now. And now we have the war in Ukraine. Now, I would love to see them try to blame Joe Biden for the war in Ukraine. I know they will. I know they have. But the fact of the matter is, once again, one of the reasons why Vladimir Putin felt emboldened to invade Ukraine is because of all the footwork and all the groundwork that Donald Trump did to set it up. This isn't on Joe Biden. It's on Donald Trump. And if anybody says different, I'd love to fucking talk to you because you're wrong. And I'll be happy to point it out. Now, here's uh, an interesting story I, I just heard. Apparently, Ukraine is going to be getting help from what they call the most famous sniper in the world. I mean, I had no idea they ranked snipers as who's the best. I would assume they're all pretty good. Now, what they call this famous sniper is Wally. Really? You couldn't have come up with a cooler name than that, a more deadly name? You've got the world's greatest sniper, and his name is Wally? I mean, I guess in the long run, it doesn't really fucking matter, but Wally? Really, Wally? Now, if your name is Wally and you're getting mad because I'm making fun of the name Wally, I'm not making fun of the name Wally. My father-in-law, who's now passed on, his name was Wally. I love the guy. So I'm not making fun of the name. It's just that name with a world-famous sniper just does not make sense. There are cooler names like this next guy I'll tell you about. They call him the Ghost of Ukraine. The Ghost of Ukraine is a uh, fighter pilot. He's an ace. And we haven't seen aces in this world since World War II, so it's been a long time. But this guy, they don't know much about him, but he does fly a fighter jet. And in one day, he shot down six. He shot down six Russian planes. He was pretty Pretty amazing that day, and I don't know what he's done since then, maybe even more. But see the difference here? you got a world-renowned sniper. His name is Wally, and I don't get the name. But then you have this world-famous fire uh, uh, jet fighter, um, and his name is the Ghost of Ukraine. You see how the Ghost of Ukraine is way cooler than Wally i know that's a bunch of shit nobody cares about that but it's interesting to watch what's going on in ukraine they're getting a lot of help now this sniper i don't know what country he comes from i'm assuming the uh, ghost of ukraine is from ukraine but they're getting a lot of people from all over the world coming in from australia from america from england from south america these young men generally are coming in to help out with the fight. And uh, that's admirable. I mean, here you go off to war, risk your life for a country you don't live in and you have no connection to. But they understand the problems if this is allowed to happen. So they want to do their part and they want to fight. And one thing to consider, you know, if they're going to fight on the ground with Russia, Russia has a big problem. They had close to a couple of hundred thousand soldiers on the ground. Now, not all of them are fighters. Most of them are in the country now. They're trying to encircle Kiev and some of the other bigger cities and, of course, the power plants and those sorts of things. But what you have to understand, there's about 200,000 troops in the Ukraine military. And when everybody was leaving, the president said, any of those men between 18 and 60 years old, you got to stay back and help us fight. Thank God I'm 61 and don't live in Ukraine. I don't want to get into a fight because I'm not built for that anymore. Maybe at one time when I was younger, I could have done something, but uh, I would be fucking absolutely worthless here. Uh, but anyway. What you have to consider is if they're fighting in the streets, Ukraine has a distinct advantage. You got these Russian military coming through. A lot of them are young men that are inexperienced and don't know why they're fighting. They're not being fed. They're not given ammo. They're not given everything they need, fuel, what have you. And now they're fighting against all of Ukraine. What you have to understand is Ukraine has 41 million people in it. Now, at least 2 or 3 million have left, but that still leaves close to 40 million people. Now, not all of them are going to fight back, but a lot of them will. They were handing out guns to any citizen who wanted to fight. The president passed a law that says you can shoot a Russian without any ramifications meaning you could be walking down the street with a gun, just Joe Average, see a Russian soldier, shoot him and kill him, and you're free and clear. So you get a bunch of people that are armed in a city, in an urban setting, like we have there now in Kiev or some of these other bigger cities, and that's going to be a problem. You might remember back to the Revolutionary War. We had this huge, powerful army from Britain coming over to fight these ragtag patriots here in this country. There is no way that they would be able to beat the British Army. But uh, according to the British Army and maybe the Russian soldiers, uh, the people that were the underdogs didn't fight fair. It was urban warfare. You'll have snipers. You'll have people setting traps in the streets and such. And uh, the, the organized military won't know what to do with it. They'll be caught by surprise. And if you've got 41 million people in in uh, Ukraine, 3 million in Kiev, probably less than that now, maybe more a million and a half. But if you've got that many people fighting against you, you're going to have problems. Even if you are the Russian military, you're going to have problems with Ukraine and, of course, That is exactly what is happening. So it's going to get kind of ugly in uh, Ukraine. If they're fighting in the streets, that's going to be a problem. Now, of course, Ukraine is still waiting to see if they're going to get planes, but that whole situation was screwed up. I don't know how they're going to work that out. But they're getting a lot of missiles, anti-air missiles. Um, the, the, The missiles that shoot down planes, they've got a lot of them, And in fact, I heard yesterday with these anti air missiles, ground to air missiles, uh, they shot down like, I don't know, 10 airplanes yesterday. So they're taking a toll on the Russian military. Russian military is having a difficult time with it. So we'll be watching it and we'll keep you posted as to what's going on with uh, the war in Ukraine. It's a tragic situation, as I say, when I sit and watch these innocent people scared and trying to flee the country or uh, being caught up in uh, missile strikes or bombs or that sort of thing, and I see these little kids. I just can't imagine what kind of fucking animal would do that. Well, we know it's Vladimir Putin. And this man needs to pay a price when it's all said and done. If anybody needs to be accountable, it's that motherfucker right there, Vladimir Putin. Now, we're getting down toward the end here of the Rational Boomer podcast. I have a couple of other stories I want to pass along. Um, Let's talk about Vladimir Putin briefly. Now, if you look at Vladimir Putin when he's talking, he has a lot of anger, it seems, which is unusual because he's been pretty even-tempered. He's pretty calculating in all the years that we've known him and watched him. But now he seems pretty agitated. And we're finding out that he's uh, sent his family away someplace. Some people think he's been, he sent them to a bunker, a pretty elaborate bunker in Serbia. Apparently this bunker is as big as a city, has all the technology they need, all the food and water and all those things. And he sent them there. We've also heard that he may have sent some of his family to Switzerland to stay with one of his mistresses. I don't know how you explain that one because his wife is with him now, too. But anyway, when you see Vladimir Putin do this, you have to wonder how his confidence really is. I know he likes to portray himself as uh, ultra-confident, but he's sending his family away in a country there is no war as yet, in Russia. There's no fighting there. There is some... uh, There are some protests and riots and those sorts of things, but no airstrikes, nothing like that. They're perfectly safe where they were, but he seems to be concerned and is sending them away. Now the question is, why is he sending them away? Is he going to do something to get America and some of the European countries involved, and then there will be strikes in Russia, maybe a nuclear-type thing? That could be it. Or maybe he knows that... uh, the way things are going, the Russian government, the Russian military will come for him, and he feels like he'd have a better way to get away with it with just himself and not trying to protect his family at the same time. Needless to say, Vladimir Putin is nervous. He is concerned. He is upset. And uh, <laughs> we are, we are going to see how this plays out. Hopefully this gets done sooner than later. Because it is truly a tragedy. It is truly a lot of atrocities, a lot of innocent people being hurt and killed unnecessarily. Now, the last story I'm going to give you has nothing to do with war or any world issues. It has to do with something in Chicago. Do you remember Jesse Smollett or Smollett? I'm not sure how you pronounce that. He was on the TV show Empire. And I watched the show and I liked him as an actor, very talented kid. Well, if you remember, he hired some people to attack him, and then he faked a hate crime that he was attacked by some white, redneck, Trump-loving motherfuckers, and they beat him up just because he's black and because he's gay. Well, that sounds tragic. That had everybody up in arms and wanting to track these people down. Well, with some cameras and some things, they did track these people down. Turns out it was two black guys, and they were nervous about having to go to jail. So they flipped on Jesse Smollett, and said, "Yeah, he set it all up, and uh, and uh, he paid us to do it." Now, why in the world would Jesse Smollett want to do this? He's in a hit show. He's a big star. Is he doing it for publicity or what have you? But the fact that he did it is pretty egregious. It's pretty ridiculous. Because when somebody does something like he did, it just diminishes real hate crimes and real racist situations. Once somebody does this, then everybody's kind of questioning other ones that they hear. He did a disservice to his people. He did a service to his city, Chicago, and he did a disservice to law enforcement in Chicago. So he had to go on trial, and he was convicted of his crimes. And uh, and uh, turns out he got 30 months of probation. He got a fine of about $145,000. But he also got 150 days in jail, almost four months. So Jesse Smollett will have some time to think about this and decide what he wants to do. He cut his hair. He looks totally different. Um, I don't know what that will do to him in jail. I haven't seen him much on television or in movies or anything. I don't know if this completely ruins his career or he comes out after the 150 days and somehow he finds his way back. But he does have a flair for the dramatic. Uh, They showed a video after he was sentenced in court. And he said to the judge, he said, I respect your sentence. I'll do the sentence. But I want everybody to know that I am not suicidal. So what he's saying is he's thinking that they're going to put him in jail and kill him, that it's all set up that they're going to kill him. Now, I doubt that's the case. He's too high profile, and unless somebody in jail that's just a nutcase that doesn't happen to like black gay guys that are rich and on TV, he should be all right. They might even set him aside by himself so he doesn't have to... uh, integrate with general population. I don't know what they're going to do, but he seems to think, or at least is saying, that if they send him to jail, it's all the fix is in, that it's all a conspiracy, and he's not suicidal. So if he ends up dead, you know somebody did it to him. Yeah, he's got a flair for the drama, but the fact of the matter is what he did was pretty fucked up. He deserves to be accountable. He deserves to serve some time, and hopefully that'll give him some time to think about what he did and maybe uh, change his ways a little bit. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for spending time with me, taking your time, which I know is valuable, to listen to me blather on. That is much appreciated. Again, if you have questions, comments, complaints, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer, and leave me a voicemail. Love hearing from you. So you have a great day. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.